Um, good morning. Happy Palm Sunday. Um, I'm not sure about you, but it, it's, it's been a very busy time. And there's been a lot of things on my mind. And I'm going to be completely honest with you. Palm Sunday wasn't at the top of my list. There was, there was so many other things. And um, so I, I'm grateful that we have a schedule that pulls us back on a regular basis so that when we get caught up in all the other things that we do, we have something else that reminds us of the something else that we meant to be mindful of. Um, next week, we, we're going to start Easter. We're going to start Easter. We're going we're to be at Easter. It's, it's, it's that celebration. It's one of the high points of the year. And I know a lot of you have been counting down very well with your, um, your celebrations of Lent or you're uh, following along in that, that book that we had, the countdown to Easter, that has been trying to focus um, us in there. And so today, uh, just want to remind you that uh, we have some handouts up here. They were kind of a different spot today, so if you didn't get one, they're right here. And uh, please feel free to come down, grab one. There's pens there. You can follow along on that. You can follow along on the screen. And today, if you're using version, version converted over from the old uh, app that they were running that we used called Live, to a new app that's within their thing called Events. So if you're going to look at Uversion, you go to the same place, you click on More in the bottom right corner, but now you're looking for something called Events. And Events has more content in it. So it's able to um, let us transfer more information to you. It's got links to some of the other information, uh, links for giving. Um, it still has the scripture, still has a place for you to have your own notes and gives you more access to saving your own content. So that is one of the, the nice change features. If you put your stuff in there, you can now save it, and you'll have access to it from your home computer or from um, one of your mobile devices, whatever you're using for that. So that is kind of a, a, a great new thing that they just started setting up. Again, I'll remind you, just because it's new, that we have forms for direct debit if you are interested in doing that. Um, so you can give right here if you would like to do it this way. We have envelopes for your taxes, your tax purposes. You can give online through, um, just go to our website and click on the Donate Now button, and we can also set you up for a direct debit if that's what you would like. Today is the final week of The Gifted, and I'll be honest, this has been a very challenging series for me. It's longer than I'm, than I'm used to, and it's been a lot of work. And it has been a lot of, 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 of learning and refreshing for me as well. It's been heavy. Um, it has been something that I think is incredibly vital for, for building us a foundation that we can use to work with because I, I believe it's incredibly important as well. But it has been heavy. And so today we're going to finish off. Um, and so I, I want to paint a picture for you that sort of uh, shows again some application for some of the gifts that we're going to be talking about. So God has promised us a new heavens and a new earth. This is sort of like the, the starting place. When we talk about Palm Sunday, we talk about Easter. Easter is a trigger to remind us that this is not the end. These gifts that we have been talking about are evidence of the kingdom of God breaking into this world right now. We don't believe in just heaven later. We believe that God is involved right now. And every one of the gifts, every one of them is given by the Spirit. Every one of them is supernatural. Every one of them displays part of the character of God and draws us together as it does that. But this is the breaking in of God into our regular world. All the gifts that we're talking about today, again, are power gifts. Those, we made three classifications. There was love, word, and power. Power gifts today. All of these are designed or, or, or implemented to demonstrate the power and the presence of God amongst us. 
we are part of the place that God works. North Americans tend to look at things very much as individuals, but there is community about this that is part of the way that God speaks to us. So all of the gifts today are going to be about healing in one way or another. Um, they deal with physical healing, spiritual healing, emotional healing, and even what you might describe as directional healing. So gifts that we're going to look at today are healing, works of power or miracles, and words of knowledge or wisdom. They all concern healing in some fashion. We're well aware as a people, and Palm Sunday is a good Sunday to remember this as well. We are well aware of our need to be healed. We are well aware of the brokenness that's around us. We have grown up in a world filled with brokenness to different degrees. If you consider this for a moment, that in this room there are probably hundreds, if not thousands, of failed dreams. Moments that we saw that collapsed. Moments that we experienced for someone else that collapsed. There are times that we can reflect that we feel untouched. We know what it is to feel unwanted. And all of us or our families have experienced sickness and disease. This is part of the brokenness that we're talking about. We know about war, even if it is just in a, a, a cerebral kind of way. We all have regret. We all know what it is to feel guilt and shame. We have been longing to find ways to peel this off. We all have questions that plague us and remain unanswered. We are well aware that there is injustice in this world and it seems to only ever expand. This pain of brokenness, which is, which is the human experience, it forms into pools sometimes and those pools of people find belief in God so questionable that they begin to doubt whether he is even there at all. Those eyes see suffering. They identify pain. They're confused by disease, plagued by distress, overwhelmed by anxiety, held down by unhappiness. Many people we know don't have even the basic necessities. All of us inherently struggle with wrong motives. We are painfully aware of relational breakdowns both within family and outside of families. We experience regularly selfishness in all its many forms, from abuse to being haunted and even inhabited even by the demonic. The human family and even creation itself groans deeply. It's in bondage and it is frustrated and desires one thing, freedom. Our suffering is expressed in so many ways. We experience it physically. Many of you know what it is to physically suffer. We experience it mentally. We experience it emotionally. We've experienced it sexually and spiritually. We have no band-aids that we can apply to most of our suffering. And when we collect it all, and we focus down on it, you can understand that the vast majority of this suffering is relational. It's brokenness between us and between God. All this was started a long time ago. 
It was lost in the garden at the fall, Genesis chapter 3, when Adam and Eve sinned and, and, and sin entered the world, death entered the world, and then sickness and brokenness and suffering was introduced to the created order and sin marred what God had spent time saying was very good. All of creation has from that moment increasingly lived in frustration. We are not what we're supposed to be. We're not all that we can be, and we can have an earth hour or an earth day, and yet creation will still be in frustration because it has not been released. The suffering continues in this world through me and through you, through all of us. This brokenness comes in, in many streams, and all these tributaries begin to, found, uh, to flow into one profound river that continues to flood over us. It doesn't matter if you're religious or non-religious, whether you're good, bad, or evil, or neutral. Suffering comes from many sources, and one of the places that we in North America tend to neglect to mention is to say that suffering comes from Satan and the demonic. It is not just a mythology. It's not just a fairy tale. What a wonderful way to start your Palm Sunday. Is there any hope? It's easy to find things that are wrong, right? We don't have a problem. We identify with these things, and we identify with them deeply at, at the innermost levels. We, we long for it to end. We long for it to be different, even not for myself, but just for somebody else. Palm Sunday is the perfect time to talk about this. Palm Sunday is that light at the end of a tunnel. Palm Sunday says, hope is coming. Sin, death, disease, Satan, they've all been overcome. Well, I have to be careful because I'm sneaking ahead to Easter. But there's light. The resurrection of Jesus changes everything. In Isaiah chapter 53, he says, Surely he took up our pain and he bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. Pain, suffering, the wrath of God, transgression, iniquity, everything that makes up that grand sludge pool of human suffering, the human condition is mentioned here. And by his death, by his wounds, we may be healed. There is a day coming when all suffering will be reversed, when healing is guaranteed for us and for creation to whom we trust as our grand healer. In 1 Corinthians, Paul describes it this way, so will it be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown perishable, it is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. This is the story that we try to live out, that we try to bring to life and let other people see as well. We are being transformed at our very essence. And it gives us the ability to long for the promise that we have been given in Revelation. One of my favorite places to read, Revelation 21, verse 4. 
He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. The very way that we define life is through pain. That all gets washed away. Never again will there be cancer. Never again will there be abuse. Never again will there be betrayal. Never again will there be a funeral. There is a day coming when things will be made right. So in the here and now, God has given us spiritual gifts to build one another up. Because there is much that breaks us down. Healing, works of power, or sometimes called miracles, depending on your translation, words of knowledge or words of wisdom, these are key in this idea of healing. This stuff makes some of us nervous again. We've seen things go wrong with these kinds of gifts. There's been abuse. There's TV specials. There's smoke. There's mirrors. There's lights. There's suits that are incredibly white. There's people falling over, and we go, I don't want to be associated with that. There's the other side. We can walk here easily as well that we become jaded and skeptical, and we end up living like Christian atheists. We believe that Jesus rose from the dead. We do our devotions. We pray our prayers. We sing some of the time, heck, most of the time, but we have no expectation that God will ever show up anymore. We expect nothing. We see nothing, and when God shows up, we still don't believe it. How many of you are prone to Christian atheism? You think dogmatically, theologically, but expect nothing experientially. But when we will have expectations, what are godly expectations? What are biblical expectations of what we can see in this kind of category? Some say that all that stuff was back in Bible times, all that stuff. And you know the stuff that I mean. I mean miracles and and, and prophecy and and, and tongues. It's all back in the Bible times. And that was before there was a Bible. But now we have a Bible. The Bible is the revelation of God. We have it. We can study it. It's ours to access. Times have changed. We don't need that stuff anymore. And others say, nope, absolutely not true. God said it. He said we can all be healed. Therefore, it is true for everyone. Everyone can be healed. Everyone can receive blessing. We need to name it and claim it. It's ours to own, to take, to pick up, to grasp to have power over. We can be healed, delivered, set free, empowered, enriched, and enlightened. God wants it for me. I just need to believe it. And then I need to tell God I believe, and then he will have to do what we demand of him because that's my right. And I would suggest to you that both of these views are incorrect. They're unbalanced. And in fact, they both diminish God. Some have no faith. And others have too much faith in faith, but not faith in the person of Jesus. They're sincere, but sincerely wrong. Here's what Scripture teaches us as we reflect on the gift. It's never, it's not never, it's not always, it's just 
sometimes? The answer is yes, if God sovereignly decides to do it. All the gifts we're going to talk today about have something in common, something that we're reluctant to surrender back to God. Each of these gifts is based around the principle of situational permission. Whenever Jesus used these gifts, he did it with authority, and he never prayed before he actually did them. He prayed before, but not like right before, not during. He walked up to the blind, the lame, the deaf, the dying, uh, the dead, and he dealt with the demonic. He just instructed, and these things took place. He commanded it. But just be honest for a second, though. Did you ever think about this? Jesus did not heal everyone. Jesus did not cast out every single demon. The cases are recorded. They're based on permission. So that when Jesus did these acts, he wasn't asking God for help. He did these things not because he was God. He did these things because he was in submission. He had come to earth and he put away the privileges of being God when he came to earth. He said, not for me for now. I will do nothing. I will submit myself to the Father. He would only do what the Father gave him permission to do. John 5, this is where Jesus is explaining. He says, uh, John gave them an answer. Very truly, I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his Father doing. Because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. The pattern of permission is seen in Jesus' life again and again, he would go and pray, he would listen, and then he would line up his will with the Father's will, and then he would act. He prayed before he did do deeds, but he did not pray during the deeds being done. That's a lot of deeds. One of the best expressions, one of the best ways we can see this is the death of Jesus' close friend, Lazarus. He was dying. Everyone identified it. The family sent messages to Jesus, begging him to come, begging their good, close friend, Jesus, to come. Begging the friend that they called basically family member. So they didn't look at him as Jesus, the, 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 the rabbi, Jesus, the teacher. They looked at Jesus as buddy, who also had this other thing on the side that he was doing. <laughs> Please come, Jesus. Lazarus is dying. We believe in you. We know what you can do. We know who you are. If you come, you will make things all right. Please, Jesus, come. You read the story in John 11. Jesus intentionally delayed. And Lazarus dies. And Jesus shows up. Four days after the funeral. He didn't even make it for the funeral, for pity's sake. What kind of a friend? He shows up and they say, where were you? And in that, I can hear that, that cry that came from me on those different times. Maybe it's the same cry you've had. Where were you? We called, we prayed, we did the right stuff. And they look at him and they say, you heal strangers all the time. And we're like family. 
Where were you when we needed you, Jesus? And then Jesus wept. The Bible verse that we all wanted to claim. I did my memory work, John eleven thirty five. 35. Jesus wept. Memorize another scripture today. And he calls for them to go and open the tomb, to remove the stone, to pull it back. In John eleven forty one, 41, we pick it up. So they took away the stone, and then Jesus looked up and he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had come, when he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! course we know the story Lazarus came out our task as Christians is to get our will our strong defiant self-interested will to line up with the will of God the Father this applies with these gifts that we're that we're talking about all of the gifts it applies for them all that our will must be aligned with the will of God the Father, that our character must be in such a place that we don't disqualify the rest of the gifts. Get your will lined up with the will of the Father, and on that basis, and that basis alone, can you exercise the authority that God has given you situationally. If you have these gifts, then you are called, like Jesus, to spend time in prayer and fellowship with God and with others to remain in right relationship, to get instruction, and to continually line up your will with His. When you receive a yes from God, then the necessary power and authority for the specific task will be given. If He says no, then don't claim anything. So will God heal? Will He tell us? Will He deliver us? Yes, of course. It's absolutely, completely guaranteed in the resurrection. Will he do it now? Will he do it in this life? The answer is, whether we like it or not, maybe. His will, his glory, his timing, his sovereignty, and our willingness to listen matters with these gifts. If God says yes, then we must act. If he says no, then we must ask him to take our brokenness and our suffering and allow it to bring us closer to him where he can produce in us the miracle of unnatural joy in the midst. This is something that an unbelieving world simply can't comprehend. Joy in the midst. How? How can you do that? These gifts are given based on situational permission. So 1 Corinthians 12, we've been here, well, probably about nine times. So let's, uh, one more time, starting at verse 7. Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for what? For the common good. That clearly means it's not given for the individual preference, right? The reason the gifts have been given for the common good. It is always to build up the faith, to build up the body, to build up the congregation, to build up the church. 
This is why God has given these gifts. Spiritual gifts aren't about you or what you want. They are about Jesus and Jesus setting people free. Remember, that's what all of creation is longing for, this freedom that Jesus will bring. 1 Corinthians 12, um, 8. We're going to go on from there. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by that same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers. So let's start with the, uh, the spiritual gift, words of knowledge or wisdom. Some hold that these are two separate gifts. There's the, the gift of uh, words of knowledge, and then there's the gift of um, words of wisdom. Um, other people would teach that they're actually just one. I think they're kind of two expressions of the same gift, and um, there is overlap between what those things are. So lots of people want to say that knowledge is just, you're really good with facts. You can pull stuff together. You got it in your head, you can pull it back out. Man, you know your Bible well. You can chapter and verse everything. Whenever someone has a question, you can pick it out of the air. You're good with facts. Maybe you should be a professor. You've got it like that. Wisdom? Wisdom is you're just really good at helping people apply Scripture to their life or apply God's truth to their life. You're all about application. And those could be accurate definitions of knowledge and wisdom as natural talents or acquired talents, those abilities that we might have. But that's not the spiritual gift side of what they are. These gifts are situational communications given by the Holy Spirit for that moment. It is not an always-on kind of transmitting. It is periodic, momentary, situational again. Talking about a word that comes from God as wisdom or knowledge for a specific situation. It is, of course, lesser than the Bible, so what we're, we're not expecting is this word of knowledge to supersede or undercut the authority of the Bible. It's always in submission to the revealed word of God. All the same rules as apply as when we looked at prophecy. So prophecy, we spent a lot of time on prophecy alone, setting up ground rules for a lot of things. So when we talked last week about um, tongues and interpretation, there was ground rules that were based on what we talked about in prophecy. Same deal here. If you don't know those, go back and listen to the, um, the stuff about prophecy. The difference here, similar but different, prophecy was communal. It was a word to the body. Whereas a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom is much more about a one-on-one kind of situation or one-on-two or a small group kind of thing. It's very specific. It's not as um, for the whole group. God giving a direct communication about an issue that needs to be dealt with in someone's life or, or a specific penetrating word of encouragement or, or, or a supernatural or situational telling of what's going on at that moment. It's situational, it's prompting-based, and it's a, it's a power gift. It is above and beyond what we've come up with our own. When this happens, there is a sense that is undeniable that God is speaking. It is not a lecture. It is not a sermon. It's, it tends to be more brief, more specific, and not just overarching. It's God-given. There's no way that this person could have this information. It shows a depth of insight or, or knowledge that is beyond what would have been acquired in normal ways. So see if these symptoms describe some part of this. If this is you, has this happened? And you know what? Side note again. It's possible to manifest any gift at any time. 
Okay, you might have a dominant use of something, but for a moment, God's sovereign, right? So he can say, I got no one else today. I'm using you. So today, you're on, buddy. So there's a sense that we need to have an awareness of these things because they're not like a Monday to Friday kind of gift. Sometimes these things are for a moment. And they're, they're just not the ongoing sense. Okay? You sense when the Holy Spirit wants to do something. There's just a, mm, an inside that is almost impossible to describe to someone who's never felt it. You just know. That knowledge gives, uh, the knowledge that you have could not have originated by something that you just know. You didn't hear it from somebody else. It wasn't just gossip that you're bringing back. It's knowledge that was brought out to release the activity of God in a particular situation. This always prompts someone towards the lordship of Jesus Christ or dealing with God in some way that opens them again. There will be affirmation from the surrounding body that recognizes that what is being spoken is coming from beyond a specific person. Again, we're designed to work together, right? The community is part of this, and we test everything. We don't test it to say, don't believe you. We test it to say, I'm always looking for God in this so that we can stand together in agreement. So when you hear somebody speak in this way, you get a sense. I can agree with that. That is right. That honors God. That seems to be, I'm getting the same sort of thing to identify that's right on. In your mind's eye, you might actually see words written out, like a newspaper headline. This gift is frequently used something in partnership with something else. Maybe it's with teaching at some point, or maybe it's with discernment of spirits, or it's with healing, or with a pastoring kind of moment. It quite often complements something else. So here's an entry point so that we might, and you go to step two. Quite often works either in one person or in other people who say, that was my cue. Man, I sensed it. Now I'm on. And you just sort of have a sense that part two kicks it up. This might expose secrets in people's lives. This is the part that people are terrified. I want God to work in church, but I never want that to happen to me. I don't want the word of knowledge to come to someone about me. When God gives this insight to someone, it's never ever for humiliation. It's never ever to bring you down except to bring you to the place where God can bring about healing and freedom. That is always the point. Healing and freedom. Never about humiliation. So you don't need to fear the work of God. Especially in you. Let Him work. Healing and freedom are yours. That's the way He moves. Next gift, spiritual gift of healing. It means healing of many kinds. Illness, uh, physical, emotional, spiritual. There's all kinds of ways that we're broken. There's all kinds of ways that we need healing. The supernatural releasing of God's healing power for the curing of all sorts of illnesses. The gift is not dealing with the demonic. This gift is dealing with the physical. Um, if you read the Gospels carefully, you'll find out that people who were healed physically or they, or they were mentally sick used names for Jesus. They called him. They called out to him. They said, Master, Teacher, Son of David, Lord. When demons address Jesus, they call him the Holy One of God, the Son of God, 
the Son of the Most High. And those different names show that the language itself is saying what's happening here is different. Whether it's physical or emotional or supernaturally, supernaturally evil, it also tells us what gift Jesus is about to use. Because when Jesus was here, he's the only one who has ever manifested like all the gifts. Every one of them at different places. He's been doing these things. And so when you want to see what's happening, you look at the context to figure out what is actually going on. What's Jesus doing here? The gift of healing doesn't give you a supernatural power over disease. You don't brush by disease and wherever you are, there's sort of an arc of healing around you. You don't just sort of generally heal people from a distance. That's not the way it works. Again, um, you are a channel working with God in partnership. That's the way God works. Could God heal people from any distance, anywhere, at any time? Yes. He chooses to work in partnership with us. So this gift is about, for a moment, channeling the power of God. Channeling is a dangerous word to use. I realize that we have negative concepts of what that means, but God is using us to do what he was going to do, partnership. Several instances of this in the New Testament. This gift comes up regularly, and it shows quite often as an authenticator for the message of God. So there's message of God going on at the same time, and healing was a way to say, listen to the message of God. It demonstrated the compassion of God to his people. So here's some, some symptoms of this. You have a deep desire to see God alleviate physical problems in people, and you are willing to be used by God to make that happen. You are involved in it in a physical way, not just in a supernatural way. You are about the care for other people. You have the ability to trust God and to sense that he wants to heal, that there is some sort of prompting here. You have a willingness to take risks for God. Some speak of heat in their hands or, or all over them as they are about to or as the healing is coming about. Uh, when Jesus healed the woman who has been bleeding for 10 years, you remember this story? Um, they're in a crowd, they're passing along, and he's meeting all kinds of people, and they're all grabbing him. And then Jesus spins around and goes, who just touched me? Who was that? And the disciples look at him and say, uh, everybody? <laughs> Everybody's just been touching you? You're just walking through a crowd? He goes, no, there's something different. There was someone who touched my cloak, and I felt the power leave me. There is a sense that there was the, the, um, a charge, a discharge that comes off, and heat is quite often the way it's manifested, or the way that we would describe what you feel. feels like heat. There has to be faith involved for healing. True. But if you read the stories that come up from the Bible, faith is involved, but where? It's not always the same. Sometimes it's very much the person who's about to be healed. They express or, or um, they say that they have faith. In, in some cases, it's the person who is coming about will say to them, they indicate that they have the faith for the other person. And in other places, it's simply that God has faith for us. And that's where the healing comes from. It wasn't because they did something right or they hit the right switch. It's God brings it about. Somehow for this to happen, God must be invoked, either by himself or by us. Does that mean because there is the gift of healing that we should never go to a doctor again? No. 
take advantage of the truth that God has revealed and provided to whomever he has provided it. Things that make you well are based on truth. God is the author of all truth. We trust in God's truth, no matter who is the one who's dispensing it. They don't have to believe in God to have an understanding of truth. If God wants to heal, he will do it. Go to see people with the gift of healing. Have them pray. See if there's permission. If there is, be expected. If not, use the medical help that's already been set up, provided for you. Deal with, use the proper procedures to deal with whatever you can, physical, mental illnesses. It's not an either-or thing. It's a both-and. God works through what's already around. So, do you have the gift of healing? Do you have the gift of um, words of knowledge or wisdom? Again, these are two gifts that are incredibly important to our church. They make a tremendous difference in establishing that clear sense that our God is alive. He is at work. He is in our midst. He can be trusted. He is faithful. He is loving. It reveals God as he is. We need you to be involved in those. Finally, the spiritual gift works of power. Wondrous power, miracles, different translations use it. In, uh, they use the same words in different ways. This is the release of God's power to, dis- to demonstrate again the uniqueness of God, his presence, and his sovereignty over. This is about casting out of demons. This is about raising people from the dead. This is about commanding nature to do things that should not otherwise happen. This is the one that would really, really freak us out if we ever saw this on some sort of regular basis. This is highly unnatural. Supernatural, right? And so we are able to say that's supernatural, but we have a much more difficult time saying administration is supernatural or the gift of helps is supernatural or pastoring is supernatural. And yet they are all called gifts of the Spirit supernaturally endowed with a supernatural kind of consequence because it's what happens with the gift that's really more about the supernatural than the manifestation of the gift. The releasing of God's supernatural power so that the miraculous intervention is perceived and God receives recognition for the supernatural intervention. There is no misconception about what was going on. We know that God moved here because I can't do that. We see this in Jesus. We see this clearly recorded in history, certainly for the first three generations in in Scripture. We also find these stories repeatedly throughout ancient church history, mid-level church history, current church history, present day, in in our own time. Twofold uses. They bring people to Jesus for the first time. The gospel, again, is being authenticated by signs and wonders. This story that you're telling me has value because I just see this. Wow, now I understand God. This is who God is. That's what I want to do. It works together in that kind of a way. Or Jesus miraculously intervenes in a Christian's life for healing or for sanctification. This is how these uh, arrive. Hebrews chapter 2. This salvation which was first announced by the Lord was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according 
to his will. It's not just in Corinthians. It's not just in Romans. It's not just in Ephesians. There is description of the gifts at work in multiple places so that they're just sort of assumed as this is what it's like. Here's some symptoms that might help you to identify this gift in yourself or in others. You know, like, here's an indicator. You've raised someone from the dead. That is a good indicator. Did you have a sensitivity to God to discern what to do in a given circumstance? What's the right course of action? You have a willingness to risk your reputation and to trust God in unusual circumstances. You, had, you have a deep faith and trust in God. So these things are ongoing and not just in the moment. This is sort of who you are. An ability to deal with demons directly. When you pray, they leave people or situations. This is not a gift that you want to try to discover accidentally by saying, where are some demons? I need to be around demons so that I'll know if I have this gift. We never go looking for demons. We look for Jesus. Jesus directs us. If he directs us to a place where you come in contact, that's an entirely different scenario. We don't pursue demons. We pursue the direction of Christ where he leads us. I will follow. But I will not run away looking, oh, God's going to show up. We're going to have us a good demon possession releasing tonight. That's not the kind of people we are. That's not the way that we pursue. We pursue light, not darkness. Occasionally, darkness comes across our path. We meet it with light at that time. We don't take the light looking for some darkness so I can get mixed up in it. When you pray, nature, something normal, has been changed or altered in that spot. Raising someone from the dead, also there. Works of power are about validating God's presence among us. And so they are important and significant, but I can't stress this enough. God gave all gifts for the common good, the building up of the body. They are not ranked as important and not important. They are different divisions of the plan of God that he will work in partnership with us to make manifest for the common good. Good. So we don't say, man, this church needs to get some more miracle people. God distributes the gifts as he sees fit. And it's very likely to say that there are many more in some categories than in others. Because these are situational things. Somebody with works of power doesn't go seven days a week, 24 hours a day, miracling everything. Situational. There is a time. Maybe there are many occurrences, but they're not regular scheduled events. Going to have us a healing, again, regardless of anything else. Okay? So again, to be clear, these gifts are incredibly significant, but all gifts must be tested because it's not the surface that matters. It's the source that matters. Great things can appear on the surface, but the source matters. And we are told that people who have manifested these gifts need to understand, did you ever manifest that gift before you became a Christian? Because if you manifested that gift before you became a Christian, it is still a spiritual gift, but it's the wrong spirit. The source matters. It's not just what happens, 
that validates. That's not the test to say how did it turn out. Because sometimes it takes longer for things to show. But all things over time will show their source. In the moment, it is possible to mimic almost any spiritual gift given by God. Demons can do many of the similar things. So it's important that we as people who are living this way are dealing with our character on a regular basis. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. What are we to look like? Love. Ongoing. We are ongoing to have our will in submission to the will of the Father. That means constantly coming back and saying, I did it again. I'm sorry. Please bring me back. I keep thinking just what I want, God. Help me to think what you want. Release me in this way. Your relationships to other people matter incredibly. The way that you deal with them, the way that you are is important, must manifest the character of God. That's the way to get purity in all of these things. Submission matters. We are called to mutually submit one to another. We are called to submit our will to God. If these are your gifts, you must learn to listen and you must learn to ask for permission in an act of humility and submission, regardless of what the gift is. That's what we're called to, humility and submission. Submit yourself to the Lordship of Christ in all things. These gifts are about Jesus. When, when I use a gift, it is about the building up of the body of Christ and pointing that body towards Jesus every time. When you do it, that's what you're supposed to do as well. It's not about me. It's not about what I want. It's not about what I think is right or what is fair or what is my right. I have surrendered each one of those things to the Lordship of Jesus. That was a starting place because he takes care of me and he leads me and I have decided that I will follow him. I lift him up. And because Jesus told us that whenever we lift him up, he will draw all people to himself makes me in this position. I'm a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, not the minister of the gospel of Graham Clinton. I'm a minister of reconciliation between God and, be, and people and between people and people, as are you. That's what you are called to be. I am a partner in the glorious mission of God himself, as are you. And today on Palm Sunday, we too can declare the glory of God and the promise of freedom for all the oppressed. That was the mission, message that Jesus came to give. Freedom for all the oppressed. It's possible. Do you have the gift of healing? Do you have the gift of words of knowledge or words of wisdom? Do you have the gift of works of power or miracles? We'll do the same thing as we've done. Our final time, the last eight weeks. Let's finish by just saying, even if you've stood before, let's finish today with a clear sense of knowing who we are as a family. Have you sensed? Are you getting an inkling of a gifting that you have been given? I understand that can be more than one. But our desire is to hear from God, to submit our wills underneath him, to lift him up, by what he has given us to do that. So, as we go forward, when you hear a gift that you think is yours, let's stand. I will pray, but I would encourage you to pray for each other as well. That this is not something that someone does for you. It's something that we do together. Jesus, thank you for your word. It is real and it is true 
and it is powerful. It is able to separate truth from error, from the, the, the natural and the, and the supernatural. Thank you for distributing gifts in our midst. Thank you. Thank you for choosing us to be in partnership with you to bring about the message of freedom and hope and healing for all the oppressed. God, today we thank you for the gift of healing. If you have healing, this is your spot. God, we thank you for the gift in our midst of the words of knowledge or words of wisdom. Without them, we don't hear from you clearly. God, we thank you for the gift of the works of power or miracles that demonstrate your authority and sovereignty over all. God, we thank you for the gift of faith, which, is in, which encourages us to go past what we see is just enough. God, we thank you for the gift of the discernment of spirits so that we are not deceived. We can know the truth and we can follow you in them. God, we thank you for the gift of tongues that helps us to, to uh, have a clear sense of the love and the purpose and the speech of God. We thank you for the gift of interpretation without which we wouldn't know what tongues was saying. God, we thank you for the gift of intercession which enables us to communicate across the globe to make a difference, begging and beseeching your intercession. God, we thank you for prophecy. We thank you for the way that it, it reveals to us your heart and your will and your direction so that we might course correct. Thanks for the gift of leading, for the gift of pastoring, for the gift of evangelism. Thanks also for blessing us richly with those with the gifts of administration, with helps, with mercy, and giving some of these most beautiful gifts that the church has been known for throughout history. God, we thank you for teaching and its essential nature to our development. God, we thank you for the gift of apostleship and ask that it might increase. We ask for the gift of exhortation so that we might not just grow weary and give up. God, we are better for each of these gifts. Lord, I pray that you would give us the character to manifest these gifts well. Give us the mutual submission that we need to be honoring to you and to each other. Give us the ability and desire to serve each other and to serve you and to those we don't even know yet. May the power of Christ be released upon these standing. May this again be beyond all that we can ask or even imagine as you open doors and push us forward into places that we don't know yet. Use these gifts and help us to use them with pure motives. Fill these people with your spirit. Give them opportunities to use their gifts and bless them, I pray. Empower them, release them, use them to build your kingdom and and God, with this power given to each one here, Jesus, I pray that you would, in fact, continue the work that you have begun and build your church. Build your church called Into One. Build your church in Stouffville. Build your church in York Region, in Ontario, in Canada, and around the world. We ask that you would be involved here and that you would give us a mindset that it's not just about me. It's not just about us. It's about what you would have. And you have called us to be a blessing to all nations. That's why we've been blessed. And so in that same way, God, whatever we have prayed for this place, we also pray for Derek and Bonnie Burnett in Phuket, Thailand, as they are raising up a new church there. We pray that you will bless them, 
that you will lead them and you will cause your gift to rise to the surface, to be identified and to be implemented. We look forward to watching what you will do in our midst, how you will move, how you will continue to move. And we look forward to telling stories to each other about your great faithfulness and your never-ending love. Be glorified in our midst. Be lifted up for you, Jesus, our Lord of all. Grow your church, Lord Jesus. Transform the hearts and lives of these and those that we touch. You are Lord of all, Jesus. You are Lord of me. And all God's people said,